<laughs> We've gone through the first three minutes. Once again, we don't have any sound on the stream. I was just <laughs> but literally okay. what I was saying was we have st- sound on the stream. Um, so let me know if you can hear that. We are here in the studio again. Um, if Kyle, if you can work on that. Here's the thing that we're working I, on. We're working on it. I uh, I'm I'm I don't have a good feel for this Illinois game. It's bothered me all week because I feel like this is a pivot game for both teams for Penn State and for Illinois in terms of ways that this game is going to go and there's a couple of things that are that are a part of that and there's a couple things that we're going to get into today um okay thank goodness so what I was saying earlier to the stream people is this the first time we're going to have quality audio and then we start with no audio so that's great (laughs) but we're good now thank you to everyone for your patience today getting into this game we're still learning about both of these teams through the first two weeks. Can Brett Bielema build a consistent winner in the Big Ten West? That's a big question that we've had over the last couple of years. Last year, this was a very good Illinois team. We came into this season saying, hey, we don't know about Illinois yet. we got to find out through the first two weeks. And through the first two weeks, it has not been great. But there are still elements of this team that can threaten Penn State. So Penn State can't take them lightly as a one-on-one team that uh, gave up over 200 yards rushing last week on the, on the Penn State side. Can they vanquish the ghost of the 2021 Illinois game? Those things that they can do on uh, offense, that Illinois can do on offense, uh, they present a similar challenge to what um, West Virginia brought in the first week of the season. An athletic quarterback that can move, he can extend plays, and a, and a running game built on the offensive line. Um, this team, on paper, and what we've seen so far, does not present the same challenges as West Virginia where they were they're, they're not their offensive line is not as cohesive they're not as good of a unit together and there are some guys that you can straight beat on certain plays um it, it felt like there was a more difficult um there's a more difficult situation with with West Virginia and what they were able to do uh up front but you never know. It's a road game. It's the first Big Ten game of the season. The perception versus the reality of these two teams, um, kind of we're going to be getting into that throughout the, the, the show in terms of what Penn State in 2023 is, especially on the defensive side, versus what they were in 2021. So that's kind of setting the scene for Penn State, avenging that loss, significant scar tissue for the, uh, for the Nittany Lion fan base that I don't know is particularly shared with the, with the coaching staff and with the players and everyone in the building. So that's what we're going to get through the next 90 minutes, um, and we're going to talk about each of those positions and those places in depth. Uh, so another thing I want to make sure that we, uh, we talk about today is uh, the Penn State offense. This is going to be something that I think going through today, uh, the part that I'm not sure about, saying, Kyle, that, that I don't, I don't know about this game. The last couple games, I felt like I knew how Penn State was going to attack what we saw, or at least I knew the challenges presented and and the likely things that we would see. Yes. Penn State can do a couple of different things here, and that's going to be, to me, where this game pivots, is how they attack the Illinois defense, which does present some challenges. Um, There are a few teams in the country where they can say, you can't do this. Whatever the, this is, like you can't throw on this team, you can't uh, you can't run between the tackles on Illinois. Most teams have straight up avoided doing that. Is Penn State going to do that? How are they going to attack? With what personnel are they going to attack? I was doing some numbers crunching before the show you today. Numbers crunching. Oh boy, <laughs> this can't be good. So so the the perception has been in my mind that Penn State has played predominantly with two tight ends of the football field, and they have uh, a 
affected the game that way. And for the most part, from a production standpoint, that's true. Drew Aller has a passer rating of 149.5 in the NFL. Yeah, not uh, bad. Uh, yeah, 158.3 is perfect. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty damn good uh, in 12 personnel. Uh, but they've run with three receivers. And by the way, for those that don't know, 12 personnel is two tight ends on the football field. And this has been the conversation all offseason. Is it 12 personnel, two tight ends, or is Penn State? Their nature, what they want to be, is they want to be a three-receiver team. Spread the field out, attack all parts of the field. They have done that you know, from a pure... Counting perspective, 51% of the time they have been in their 11 personnel. They've gotten touchdowns out of it. They've made plays. It's In a lot of ways, it is their base offense. It's what they go to on every basis. You've got a good receiving core around them, so they want to stick with that. They want to get three guys out there. And they want to develop that receiving core, too. And to me, that's the question is, is that what they do today? Do they major in 11 personnel? Not not a 50-50 split, not a 51-41 in terms of like what the numbers are right now, but do they affect the game more with three receivers than they have with two tight ends? And we'll get into the nature, too, of how they've been attacking in the passing game with those two tight ends, because I think that's interesting today. And I, I, I guess the thing that I've been concerned for Penn State and Penn State fans going into this game is... If you're loading up the box against West Virginia, not a big front, Delaware, FCS team, you're getting what you want. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want to on a daily basis you, against you, those teams. You had an advantage there with your tight ends that are good run blockers. I don't know that you do this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is that what you're going to do? Because like a template for what you could see Penn State do is what they put on film last week against Delaware that has a similar but different defensive front. Yes. Where the, the design was to gum up the middle and to let them not run between the tackles. Because, as I, I said on the post game, I think I said earlier this week, like 90% of offenses in college football run one scheme. They run in between the tackles. It's called inside zone. Everyone does it. James Franklin has said, like, basically everyone runs the same plays. They're all built off of that. Defenses like this are designed to take it away. And Illinois is good enough to take it away. So does where are we going today? And that's going to be kind of the the things I'm trying to lay out is like, where are we going today from an offensive perspective? And then from a defensive perspective, I think we have a better understanding of that because I don't think Illinois has the ability to adapt and evolve, but they can do some different things within that that might cause Penn State some issues on defense. And of course, we'll get into talking about the defensive tackles and if they're big enough and all of those things. Um so that's really the, just laying out the, the landscape for today. Penn State should be favored in this game. Penn State should win this game. But there are players and things that might make it a closer game. Or, I don't want to say put Penn State on the map because they're already a top 10 team. But if Penn State can do certain things in this game, it's going to put the rest of the Big Ten on notice. And it is going to absolutely put them in the contention of, hey, this team is contending for a Big Ten title this year. Not that they haven't put it on tape against West Virginia, but it's just another opportunity, another demon to slay, another ghost to vanquish. We got the sage out today for Penn State fans. We're trying to expel all the ghosts out of the House Franklin, and that is where we're going into Champaign, Illinois today. On the Penn State Tailgate Show, hopefully we have everybody with us. Thank you to everyone who's uh, on the stream and here is listening on 99.5 The Bus. Kyle, give me a thumbs up if we've got audio. We have audio everywhere. We are sitting pretty. We have clean audio as well. It sounds good. 
Uh, my heart is happy. You gave me goosebumps. Now let's get into uh, this week's open practice highlights. For those pe- uh, people watching on the stream, you're going to see Penn State practice from today. Uh, and for those of you listening on 99.5 The Bus, you get to hear more of me giving you a preview of the game. So stay tuned. We'll be back. We're going to be talking about the Penn State offense, and we're going to dig into some of those numbers I just gave you so far on the next segment of the Penn State Tailgate Show, powered by Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships. These are your Penn State football practice highlights. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Check out a fresh look at the Nittany Lions weekly on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Penn State heads into its first Big Ten game of the year against Illinois on Saturday. Usually, this isn't a game that Penn State fans would get juiced up for. But fans remember the loss that unraveled the 2021 season two years ago when Illinois racked up 357 yards rushing on the way to a historic 20-18 victory in a record nine overtimes in that game. Since then, there have been questions about the Penn State defensive tackles, and those have persisted all offseason. So, is Penn State ready for a new test up front? Head coach James Franklin says he's been happy with his front seven overall this year, and he's looking for them to just make improvements each week, which they did in week two. In the end, Penn State is not asking its defense to stop every run for no gain. They just need to get critical stops to put Illinois in a position where they can't convert third and short with the running game. Then, the team's strength its pass rush and its coverage can take over. Much has been made about the Penn State running game not breaking off big runs through the first two games of the season. Part of that is because they face conservative defenses that are willing to give up yardage on the ground in order to keep a lid on back-breaking big-time plays. Illinois is not like that. They play an aggressive, single-high coverage that stacks the box but allows more leeway for big runs if Nick Singleton and Catron Allen can break into the open field through that eight-man defense. We're not saying that Penn State is going to break a big run this week, but the situation is much more favorable than it was to start the year. From a schematic perspective, this is an excellent time for the duo to prove themselves to be superstars. However, there's a fine line between that and pressing too much. Yet Penn State has shown that they're not a one-trick offense. What did what'd you think? We're not going to show you or talk about Drew Aller? Of course we are. According to PFF, the fresh-faced starter has been incredibly efficient through the first two games of the season, compiling a 90% adjusted completion percentage. Last week, he was a responsible and mature player, completing the passes that the Delaware defense gave him and not pressing. Some quarterbacks may have gotten impatient and thrown the ball into dangerous windows that the defense was baiting them into, but Aller resisted the urge to do so. This week, he'll likely face a different challenge. Can he fit the ball into tight, man-covered windows? And more importantly, can his receivers get open? Each week, there's a new question to ask and answer with the first-time starter and this offense. As always, we can't wait to find out. Those are your Penn State practice highlights. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. I get it. You didn't make it to today's game. You didn't plan ahead in time. Nobody's perfect. We, We totally get it. I'm T. Frank, and I'm here to help you with that for the rest of the season, though. Ticksman Gym is your source for reliable tickets to Penn State home football games. Join the most exciting atmosphere in college football with Ticksman Gym. Primetime games, noon kickoffs, big opponents, whatever you have in mind, whatever game you want to go to, 
they've got tickets for you. If you've been looking for a source of Penn State football tickets, a reliable one, Ticksman Jim at TixmanGym.com, formerly PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware, for over 25 years. Every buyer is handled with courtesy and respect, and every purchase is guaranteed. Most tickets transfer to your Ticketmaster email address. So get your tickets, 302-521-8380 or TixmanGym.com. That's 302-521-8380. Are you a company that is passionate about athletics and wants to tap into the Penn State sports community? Maybe you're a community organization in State College, Center County, Pennsylvania, or even Planet Earth. Are you interested in growing your brand and leveraging our YouTube and podcast platform? Or are you just a person that has some money to spend? If you're any of those things, or something I didn't bring up just now, consider advertising on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube show. We have a dedicated and passionate audience that is just waiting to hear from you. Through, through me, talking about your business on the show. That, that's how we do it. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, email Michelle Delee Hamilton at Michelle at ComanPub.com. That's Michelle at ComanPub.com. We're waiting to hear from you through me talking about you again. That's how we do it. Been missed or yep. missed in the sense that you're not going to be able to turn around and run. I mean, Drew seems to have a pretty good connection with Tyler Warren. We saw that from a pitch and catch aspect several times on Saturday. And I think that those things are kind of what's going to keep games going, what's going to keep drives going, which which is going to you know eventually uh, end up in points against uh, opponents that are not at, at a level that Delaware is at. So I think there's encouraging signs that can be gleaned from this. You're not going to look at it and say, well, it's great that Penn State overwhelmed you know FCS opponent. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, yep. But there are there are like micro aggressions, I guess you could say <laughs> that you could look at uh, Penn State's offense, especially and, and say, hey, they're 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 doing the things that we thought that they were capable of doing. Yeah. It, one thing, one last thing I'll say about this uh, is that this is also a good warm up for one of the teams that they're going to see on the schedule, because guess who plays three safeties? Ohio State's defense coming from the Big 12. This is the Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships Penn State Football Tailgate Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Producer Kyle is with us as well today. Kyle, by the way, I want to, I want to thank Kyle for working so hard. This is something I should have done the last two weeks is thank everybody who's been a part of uh, these these shows so far. And, you know, you, you have people do that at the end of shows, and I have forgotten to do it for two or three weeks now, so I'm going to do it right now. Thanks to Dusty, our engineer. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to uh, Jason Lord, Chris Forshe, everyone that's been involved. Jamal, you know, is, is jumping on the show he's producing the coach's corner which is coming up in just a little bit this is a great uh highly produced well-oiled machine mm -hmm. that we're still working the kinks out of through the first month of the season so this is a, the unprecedented stuff we're trying to do in terms of uh having a live stream and a radio show going at the same time uh something that is done in other places but uh as somebody who personally is doing this for the first time uh this has been an adventure so far and everyone who supported that adventure including you that is listening thank you so much thank you to everybody who's been a part of this let's talk some Penn State football Kyle. let's do it yes um so I've had a hard time putting this game in order this week of kind how so how so so not in a narrative sense and that's part partly in a narrative sense but like what is the cause and effect that is going to 
create the outcome in this game because there's a bunch of variables as i said that you know we might see some shifts from both sides this week it is a good pivot week for teams that penn state hasn't showed a whole lot in terms of they did what they did against west virginia against delaware um on offense and we'll get into that in this segment and that's really where i said in the first segment are they going to shift to a different attack let's explain what they've done so far penn state has done a lot of 12 personnel big formations seven people on the line of scrimmage and both running into that and then play action off of that some of their biggest plays have come from uh keeping both tight ends in to block and then having two-man routes with a check down and creating explosive plays that way think back to the west virginia game um, that was where two of their touchdowns came from was that particular style of formation that particular style of action um, I don't know that that's the best way of attacking a, def- a defense that wants you to play that way. They want everything to be in the trenches. That's how they are built. That's what they're looking for. So um, Penn State against Delaware tried to do some of those similar things, but Delaware, in, in the way they played that game, kept eight in coverage even when they were nine people in the box. They just we they basically said, we see what you're trying to do, and you can run if you want, but you're not going to get those explosive play-action touchdowns. Uh, this week against Illinois, we, we take a look at, at the other side of the field. Illinois last week, I can tell you exactly how it happened, that the, the defense kind of had this, this fundamental breakdown. And it starts at the quarterback position with the running game. And that's another area of, I don't know how Penn State's planning to attack this week because they can't attack. The most effective way of what we saw was what Kansas did with a running quarterback. Kansas it just politely declined to run between the tackles. <laughs> they, they ran laterally the whole game. They ran around the edge. They did a lot of option plays with the quarterback and, and the running back on the edge. And they put uh, those big physical edge defenders, not the three defensive tackles in the middle, but the guys on the outside. They put those guys in conflict. And then when they wanted to run in the middle, they did something that uh, you, we've seen before, but is more rare in college football. So there's these, the, the offensive linemen, the way they line up, the gap between them is what the defense plays, right? Sometimes uh, that you can play a man and then you play two gaps. Um, Manny Diaz's team plays the actual empty space. Some, uh, some defenses play the shoulder of the offensive lineman, but you're not, you're, you're, you're not playing man to man. You're playing the space in between the offensive linemen. Kansas lined up with like a dump truck of space on the inside of the offensive line, which is not typical normally you have rather tight splits is what they're called so what what they were doing is to run in between the tackles they made the defensive tackle the read man in their option game so you leave a guy unblocked on every zone play or most zone plays that's how you try to get an advantage of getting one of those gaps on the defense is you leave one guy unblocked and you overgap the other side so they just did that to the defensive tackles in the middle of the defense that's how they ran between the tackles i don't think penn state is going to do that this week they don't have, uh, unless Bo Perbeel is in the game, they don't have that level of athleticism to threaten that way. Also, you don't want to do the exact same thing that somebody did a week ago. That's, that's a little crazy. So what does Penn State's variation of running outside of the defensive end? And in this situation, Jerzon Newton, uh, Illinois' best football player, a probable top 15 pick. I mean, he is a massive human being that runs really yeah. well. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say he's a guaranteed top fifteen. He's a lottery pick type guy. He's a guy that yeah. you're like, yeah, you're going first round. We'll just chalk that up already. We'll move on to someone else. Yeah, but he's good. He is good. So, how do you avoid a game wrecker like that? How do you avoid 
um, not allow Illinois to dictate the game, to do what you want to do, but also be aware that you're not going to run into dead plays. You're not going to create dead plays. So Penn State, what they did last week is they went with those heavy formations and they ran outside of the defensive end. But this week, the defensive end, again... Is good enough. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you expecting Caden Wallace and Theo Johnson to block that dude in a double-team situation? I I think you can... That's To me, that's the question, is does Penn State have the offensive line to go toe-to-toe with this team? And I think they do. Yeah. I think they do. I think... I look as someone who, thank you for explaining everything, by the way, to everyone, because as someone who does not know football in the similar sense you do, it's good to get an explanation of a lot of things on how something is going to work. And I look at someone similar to in the NFL, the pro level, yeah. J.J. Watt. Yeah. How do you beat J.J. Watt? You get far enough around him, and sometimes you say, we're going to let J.J. Watt be J.J. Watt, and we're just going to go beat everyone else on the field. Yeah, You're just going to risk it for the biscuit in a funny turn of phrase and say JJ Watt can do whatever he wants in this game, but we're going to beat the other 10 guys on defense. We're going to make their days the worst they've ever had. Yeah. And then we're going to let him do whatever he wants and we'll just live with it. That's, kind that's of, what Penn State's going to do. And, and that's kind of the, was the game with can that Kansas was playing was we're going to run around that guy. He's going to get upfield. He's going to get his penetration. He's going to be athletic and disruptive. So we're going to play into that by ignoring him. Like you just mm-hmm. said. So I, that the question is, does Penn State do that? Does Penn State do. want to do that? Um, so, want versus need are very different things. I think yeah. they don't want to, but they have to. Yeah. Uh, so with this particular game, I guess I'm uh, how Caden Wallace plays. I think is a big part of the the conversation here with how uh, Penn State's able to run the football because they need to be able to run the football, and they they can't do some of the things we saw on film. So what's their version of that? I think we'll see outside zone which is you're running outside the tackles. You're going to see the tight ends in different positions. One of the things I love about Mike Yersich is his ability to use formation to create advantages. And I do think they're going to attack the the outside linebackers, the corners, the slot corners, who aren't who are good run defenders, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not as good. Yes. Uh, and, and so I think Penn State will have an advantage if they can get formation and scheme to get their good players in good matchups. And that's why I think you're going to see a lot of tight ends in the backfield. You're going to see a lot of Nick Singleton running laterally in that outside zone action. Uh, and then it's going to be about those those players. If you're running away from Newton, the backside block is really important. So Salim Wormley, Caden Wallace, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, those guys are going to be really important mm-hmm. to just keeping a lid on that guy and giving those cutback lanes to the running back because somebody else on that defense is going to make a mistake. Um, and then from there, you've got to be able to pass the ball efficiently in this game because that's where they can be had. And that's something we'll get to in a little bit. Yes, it is. Because uh, for those who are not aware, last year, Illinois lost a few guys in, in the DB room. They yeah. lost a few guys who are uh, not half bad and got drafted in the NFL because they were quite good. So you're right. They're going to have to attack the linebackers, go outside, and they're going to have to leave him alone. They're going to have to leave Newton alone. And they're going to say, you know what? Everyone else, you're fair game. And they're going to have to dial up something real fun. I think today we're going to see quite a lot. And I know it's a bit of a change and a bit of a shift. We're going to see a lot of that tight end package. And we're going to see a lot of Theo Johnson. Theo Johnson should have a big game. And we'll get to uh, the receiving aspect of this in just a little bit. We'll also uh, make our move to to the defense coming up and explaining gap sound. Penn mm. State playing a another running team, but this one's a oh Big boy. Ten team, so it's more, yes. it's more dangerous because they got that 
that that B one yeah. yeah that Big Ten logo on their on their jersey. Even though you know they they played a good running team week one, mm-hmm. but this one. Oh, they're in the Big Ten. It's scary. It's the right colors on the jersey. It's not like there's going to be, what, 27 teams in the Big Ten come next year, basically? Yeah. Yeah, th- that meeting is a, is a little bit diluted from what was traditionally over the last couple of years. Um, so we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Coming up uh, next, Kyle, what do we have? We have uh, this week in Penn State football. Uh, we are going right in to a little bit of a break here. Uh, on the show before we get into this week on Penn State football. That is going to be next. We got a little bit of time. A little bit of time here. We're chilling. We're relaxing. We're having ourselves a very fun time here on the Tailgate Show. So, it's good. It's fun. We're having fun, T. Frank. This is fun. We're having fun, which is the number one way of being like, ah, that was awkward. We'll go to break and come back and do better next time. (laughs) I get it. You didn't make it to today's game. You didn't plan ahead in time. Nobody's perfect. We, we totally get it. I'm T. Frank, and I'm here to help you with that for the rest of the season, though. Ticksman Gym is your source for reliable tickets to Penn State home football games. Join the most exciting atmosphere in college football with Ticksman Gym. Primetime games, noon kickoffs, big opponents, whatever you have in mind, whatever game you want to go to, They've got tickets for you. If you've been looking for a source of Penn State football tickets, a reliable one, Tixman Gym at TixmanGym.com, formerly PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware, for over 25 years. Every buyer is handled with courtesy and respect, and every purchase is guaranteed. Most tickets transfer to your Ticketmaster email address. So get your tickets, 302-521-8380 or TixmanGym.com. That's 302-521-8380. Are you a company that is passionate about athletics and wants to tap into the Penn State sports community? Maybe you're a community organization in State College, Center County, Pennsylvania, or even Planet Earth. Are you interested in growing your brand and leveraging our YouTube and podcast platform? Or are you just a person that has some money to spend? If you're any of those things, or something I didn't bring up just now, consider advertising on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube show. We have a dedicated and passionate audience that is just waiting to hear from you. Through through me, talking about your business on the show. That, that's how we do it. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, email Michelle Delee Hamilton at Michelle at ComanPub.com. That's Michelle at ComanPub.com. We're waiting to hear from you through me talking about you again. That's how we do it. Been missed or missed in the sense that you're not going to be able to turn around and run. I mean, Drew seems to have a pretty good connection with Tyler Warren. We saw that from a pitch and catch aspect several times on Saturday. And I think that those things are kind of what's going to keep games going. What's going to keep drives going, which, which is going to, you know, eventually uh, end up in points against uh, opponents that are not at, at a level that Delaware is at. So I think there's encouraging signs that can, can be gleaned from this. You're not going to look at it and say, well, it's great that Penn State overwhelmed, you know, FCS opponent. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, yep. But there are, there are like micro aggressions, I guess you could say, <laughs> that you could look at uh, Penn State's offense, especially, and, and say, hey, they're, they're, they're doing the things that we thought that they were capable of doing. Yeah, one thing, one last thing I'll say about this uh, is that this is also a good warm-up for one of the teams that they're going to see on the schedule because guess who plays three safeties? Ohio State's defense coming from the Big 12. 
Aeneas Hawkins on the injury report today, not a part of the show, didn't travel with the with the team here. So I'm Thomas Frank Carr stepping in for him on these key matchups brought to you by Stocker Chevrolet. Is this the year that we see the Penn State offensive line take over games? Nittany Lions have flashed some impressive, efficient blocking through the first two weeks and have given the team balance and a threatening profile heading into Big Ten play. But they're about to face Jerzon Newton in the Illinois defensive interior. We talked about it last segment. One of the best units of the country. Last week, Kansas all but abandoned running inside the tackles in any traditional sense. Instead, they ran around the defensive line, creating large seams inside when attacking anywhere between the tackles. Will Penn State try to do that? Or will they try to play uh, with the best and attack this unit head on? J.B. Nelson, Caden Wallace, and the Penn State tight ends have put on a film that they're here to knock you out. If this group can open holes in the defensive front, they should be able to go to -to toe-to-toe with any group in the country and put the rest of the Big Ten and the nation on notice. How and where Penn State finds success in the running game can make or break for the Nittany Lions and offensive coordinator Mike Yersich. That is today's key matchup. Let's talk about what's around that, though. Uh, Kyle, let's talk about the Penn State passing attack because one of the things we, we didn't get into in the setup for this, and I always like to try to set up these things to make them make sense of, here's what you're dealing with with the Illinois defense. Now, let's talk about the other end. Their pass coverage is not good. No, it is not very good. And a big reason to that is, as we discussed a little bit ago, they lost some guys last year. They got a few guys drafted in the NFL. Of course, Devin Witherspoon uh, going number five to the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL draft means you lose you lose a corner. And you're like, okay, that's not terrible. And then you move down to the second round. They also lost Jartavius Martin as well. Yep. Two DBs, two of their best, realistically, DBs. They lost both of them. And... They still have a good overall defensive room with Xavier and Miles Scott, but not the same. It's not the same when you have literal NFL talent sitting here on your team. So that's where you're attacking them. You're attacking them there. You're saying you don't have the talent to take on Keandre Lambert-Smith or Harrison Wallace or any of these guys. So they're going to go after them. Go after them hard. So this is the area where... um, the defense for Illinois and what their what their personality, as you just eloquently put, they had DBs, right? They had dudes on the back end. So they played over the last year plus the beginning two games of this this season. They were not, they were in the top five in cover one, which is aggressive press man coverage, and cover zero, which is even more aggressive mm-hmm. press man coverage, where you have no safeties deep to help. They are one of the most physical aggressive teams in college football over the last two games, uh, but they lost last week because they did that. Uh, and you, as you mentioned, they, they have some good DBs out there, but Tyler Strain so far, last week especially, three receptions for 48 yards he allowed. Um, Xavier Scott, teams have attacked him pretty aggressively. He has held up somewhat. Like he's a little not, bit. He's not given a a um, a perfect uh, uh, performance so far, but 13 targets, five receptions, under 50% completion percentage, but big plays mixed in there as well. The real weakness of this team are the linebackers especially linebacker Tariq Barnes he allowed three receptions for 46 yards and a touchdown last week against Kansas once Kansas got the running game going Illinois had to respond to all of the lateral motion and that put even more pressure on those middle defenders you mentioned the Scott brothers in the interior of this of this defense they were good week one and not as good week two when they were put in a situation where they were on islands um, so far this season, I got to find it here. We talked about this on the Friday show. Barnes allowed five receptions on five targets 
for 83 yards and a touchdown so far through two games. That's not great if my math is correct. That is, a per- again, a perfect passer rating when you target number eight on the Illinois defense. He is, again, this whole defense is set up to take away the run game and force you, funnel your targets to the corners who are supposed to be these great press man corners. It's it's somewhat similar to what Penn State does in terms of leaning on their corners, but that's where we talk about a shift in this game. We talk about this is a pivot game for both teams. Is that what they do? Do they try and do that against Penn State with their athletic receivers and their talent, especially if Penn State goes 11 and they put 11 personnel on the field? What does that do for Penn State? What does that do for this matchup? Sometimes a coach will say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, sadly, their defense is going to be broken if they bring it, it into broke. this game. It, it <laughs> broke. Because, again, you lost Devin Witherspoon. You lost a top five NFL draft pick cornerback who can do that, who can yep. play this way. You can't really do it with the guys you have now. And you're also going up against a team that, respectfully, is better than who you've played so far and has... I would say a much better wide receiver room in terms of who's going to be on that outside. I know we'll discuss the outside, the inside, who's playing where this week for Penn State. But I think Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford, Keandre Lambert-Smith, I'd chuck Malik McLean, Caden Saunders, Amari Evans in there as well. And Dante Cephas in terms of better receivers than whoever they've faced so far with Toledo and with Kansas. Yeah. So it's about to get hairy if you stay with this cover zero defense. It won't work. Yeah, that that is the general consensus heading into this week. And, and we've, you know, some people that I trust that have uh, good insight, good intel. Uh, Sean Fitz talked about this week. He expects them to pivot and play more uh, cover three, which, you know, for those out there that, you know, just to give an example, everyone plays every coverage, right? So you can't. Unless you're Florida and you mm-hmm. play with hubris, which is why I think that that that, that what their system isn't do, is doing isn't working, is they're only playing like two coverages, and you know what's going to happen before, before the snap most times. Um, most people mix in two high looks, one high looks, zone, man. It's about what you major in, and this team can go to a zone look, cover three. Mm-hmm. It's out of the same basic formation as as a, as the cover one press man stuff. So it's about how you're playing out of the same looks. And do we see more of that cover three, that soft shell, what we've seen, try to keep a lid on the Penn State passing attack, and then allow your front to do what they do. And that's kind of the idea in general with this team is allocate fewer resources to the run game, but have them be outstanding. And then you use all those other coverage defenders to shut down a passing attack. So there is a path forward if Illinois can work out the kinks here. But the problem with that is twofold. If Penn State goes to their their three receiver packages, Keandre Lambert-Smith goes to the slot. You bring in Malik McLean on the outside, and you bring in you know Trey Wallace, Dante Cephas, those guys rotating on the outside, and you have your best player matching up against the Scott brothers. You might even get them in a zone situation mm-hmm. on one of those linebackers. Yep. 28 uh, 24, 24, 28 was the other was the will linebacker. Yeah, and then of course the other interior defenders. Another place that I thought Penn State could attack in week one against that uh, four high defense for West Virginia was with the tight ends. Uh, when you have three, it, it's fundamentally different when you have four deep defenders versus three. The seams of the of the three coverage players open up opportunities for players like Keandre Lambert Smith and Theo Johnson down the middle of the football field. So far, Theo Johnson has been used differently. He has not been targeted as much as that deep threat. Last year, he was averaging 17 yards a catch. 
So far this year, I think he's got two catches. He has two catches. Both came in the last game. Yeah. Uh, there was no tight end catch in the first game against West Virginia. There was zero. Yeah. So Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson last week got going a little bit. So this is a week where you could see more of what we saw last year from Penn State. And that's a, that's something that, again, they've played in this formation. They've played with these guys out on the field. But they haven't deployed this real, like, this is the threat offense from the three-receiver set. So that's coming into this game. I think that's a major matchup between the two teams is how is Penn State going to attack the middle of this field? Because that is where Illinois is their weakest. Uh, Strain is not has struggled so far on the outside, but the other corner, number three, he, he's a good football player. So you're not going to get just whatever you want access down the middle of the outside of the field on those deep shots. Yeah, um, Tavian in, Nicholson is who you're thinking. Of, yes, Tavian, three. thank you. Tavian Nicholson. Uh, you're, you're not going to get just a green light on every go ball. You know, like Penn State is still a good team and should threaten that part of the field as well. They have not done that as much, but go where it, this is what Drew Aller is best at so far is taking what the defense is giving him. And if you they give you Theo Johnson in single coverage against a slow linebacker, you've got to take that. Yes, you've got to take that. And that's an area where Penn State, if they can get into favorable passing situations to take shots, play action passes where Newton is not going to wreck your pass protection. Because that's the other the other side of this. If you're going to be doing stuff down the football field, um, one of the things that happened last week was when there was pressure, Daniels, the quarterback uh, for Kansas, was good at getting out of that pressure, escaping, and extending the play. Drew Aller has similar skills with less mobility. Can he get away from Jazan Newton? Can he extend plays? And can Penn State uh, keep a lid on the, the pass rush? Because they have been susceptible at times this year to stunts and twists and things on the interior where there's not great communication and there's not good depth and technique uh, on the interior of the line. So, a little bit twofold. Penn State has their own weakness mm-hmm. here in this situation, which doesn't make it a green light of this is going to be a blowout. There could be a, an avenue forward where um, Illinois is able to... Get to get to Aller. They gum can up the passing Do game. things. They yeah. can do things on defense that cause Penn State problems. They give them a fit. And as you've kind of laid out and we've discussed, Newton is going to be a very big part of that, but it is going to be that interior D-line where yeah. if they can get to Aller and Newton's going to get to him anyway, you're you're done for if you're Penn State because that's yeah. that is then where the problem comes in is because if you can't stop anybody on the D-line, what are you going to do? You don't run the ball? Yeah. That's not going to work. Pass the ball? That's not working. So at that point, what do you do? Yeah, and Newton is the kind of player that if you allow him... He can take over a game. He can he can wreck your game plan. But I I expect Penn State has a plan for that. They're they're not. Mike Yersich is a smart, um, adaptive offensive coordinator. He's not going to run the same stuff into dead fronts. They have not done that so far, and that's why we're talking about the offense first and not the Penn State run defense, which is the headliner for Penn State fans coming in this game. Because if the offense can throw the football and they can run enough to be effective. This game is over. Yes. They need to score points. That was the problem in the other game was they couldn't score points. Uh, You had an injured Sean Clifford in 2021. You have a healthy Penn State quarterback this week with with Drew Aller, who is on fire. He's completed 84% of his passes so far this season. He's top five in college football in in being Mm -hmm. responsible and smart with the football. So Penn State is not going to get themselves into bad situations in this game, and I expect him to be... A major factor in this game. You know, I know we talked about the running backs and they could get some big plays today because of the, you know, not keeping a lid on everything. And maybe a Tiger can't change its stripes in one week and you get some cover one and you get a busted run. Mm -hmm. 
Drew Aller is going to have to be a big part of this game. And his arm, I think, if they go with zone coverage, he's shown you can't give him time. He is going to find the right receiver. He's patient. He's smart. He sees the full field. And that is kind of a death sentence for a team if they don't get pressure on that guy. So that's why we're setting everything up today with the offense and the passing attack and the running attack and how they decide to attack this team. I'm getting in the flow. Yes. It took me six days, You're but here. I think we got here. Yes. I think we got it down. Oh, I'm not supposed to hit the table. That's okay. <laughs> hit the table as much as you want. Pound the table because you're right. You're absolutely right on all of that. And this is where I think last week's game was really interesting for me because Delaware played three safeties, which you don't see almost anyone else do. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. So he had to pass and take what the defense gave him, which I think let him get the tight ends cooking a little bit, give it to Warren, give it to Johnson, and all of a sudden you're now rolling into this week where you say, okay, Drew Aller, if they give you something over the top to counter Lambert Smith, just chuck it up to him. You know what you're doing. You'll have some time. But if not, it will work. So he's feeling good. He got last week cooking, got the tight ends involved a little bit because they had literally zero catches week one, Yeah, which you don't want to see a goose egg on anyone's uh, score chart, especially if you're playing with two tight ends. You see no catches and no targets for either of them. Yeah, But he got them some targets last week, got them into it a little bit, and now he has at least something going with them. And at some point today, if there is any sort of blown coverage, any sort of go route over the top, someone can get free. Keandre Lambert-Smith He's going to find him because he's now going to be like, okay, I've got everything else working. They're going to try and stop that. I'm just going to check it to him. Yeah, there's going to dude's going to put in work today. There is a certain systematic failure that happened for this team, uh, this defense two weeks in a row. So if Penn State can find that system to break them down piece by piece, that's that's uh, this. That's the recipe for the blowout today is to find one thing that works and make. Illinois adjust and adapt during the game because eventually you run out of good options because the other team has put you on your heels. Um, Penn State football does a great job of getting us access to players and to have conversations with them throughout the week. Uh, On the BWI Live show, we talk about those things. We give you um, the insight that we glean from talking to those players and, of course, our our, uh, inside sources that we have uh, over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. But one thing we don't get to a whole lot is actually just Letting you hear from the players. So this is no context college football quotes. It's this week in Penn State football. It's going, and that's what you kind of want. You just want them to go, let loose, go fix some mistakes later. But um, I like the way he's starting off so far. He's gonna keep. He's gonna keep growing on that. Uh, I'm not sure. I just play, <laughs> and I guess, so I guess it just just ends up being physical. If anything, my physicality, like I feel like it helps like set a tone. I feel like that's always how I play football. You said it. I think I think that's just kind of how Drew is. Um, he's a he's a quieter guy, but he he leads by example. He says things when things need to be said. Yeah, I think it, it really started for uh, for all of us over the summer uh, when we got back up in campus in May after the the spring semester. Um, I think that's when our biggest growth hit because we were throw we were literally throwing like four to five times a week every morning, three to five routes a day, and I think that's when we saw the most improvement. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's important to know every position on the field. It just makes your job easier uh, and it makes you more uh, versatile, which um, it helps you out. It helps the team because you can do multiple things. Um, I think the main thing um, that's been great about Coach Diaz is the culture that he brings into our defense. Um, He really coaches us to be perfect and obviously everyone's not going to be perfect. Uh, It's a, we're all human, right? So. It just, I feel like that just brings the excellence out of us. Yeah, I mean, um, Kane's done a really, really, really good job this year so far. 
Um, you know, there's there's a different type of physicality to him. You know, on the line when you're watching this film, you know, he's dominating a lot, you know, even more than he has in the past already. And he's a lot more consistent this year too, which I think has been really good for him, you know, just mentally and physically, you know, just being able to perform at a very high level for an entire game. I think it's been good. I, I, I said before, I think it's clearly the better place um, to call the game. You just, you can see it better. Uh, you're removed from the emotion. Um, I think Daniel Bryan's done a good job on the sideline as well. That's helped. But it, and we're, we've had to iron up, iron out a few kinks, things that we got to get ironed out. You know, in terms of just a little bit of the differences on the sideline. Kansas was getting to the second level on a regular basis and just gashing them. I mean, it's just uh, it's it, it was really routine by the second quarter. They were just uh, have, d doing whatever they want. So get past that first wave, maybe get those ends upfield a little bit, and uh, and you've got an opportunity for some cutback runs. I think Singleton has an opportunity to uh, to, to to break some off. Curious how they play their safeties after watching Delaware, you know, and, and to a certain extent West Virginia try and yeah. keep everything in front of them. That's got to be like if you're a defensive coordinator. This is a first time defensive coordinator. That's got to be the uh, the way to go if you're trying to defend Penn State is try and keep everything in front of you. So curious to see how Illinois does that with the horses that they've got got three really good ones really up front and then beyond that there's there's a bunch of question marks so curious to see how they can fold over and fill gaps and things like that um penn state's offensive line is going to be a test um especially on the interior uh norzad nelson uh, specifically uh, you've got those uh got those big bodies in there I'm, i mean nelson is huge um He's going, there's going to be some uh, essentially sumo matches in there. Uh, some brawling on the there's, interior. There's, there's some beef in there. So I mean, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then just keeping those guys uh, off balance. I think really, if you're Penn State, you're going to move Drew a little bit. I know it's a three-man front, but you move, move him around a little bit. Hit those crossers yeah. because in the first two weeks, Illinois has been susceptible to guys coming across the middle. And Penn State. I think they found something there. Like it's, it's, it's been their chain mover. You saw Cephas do it last week. You've seen Keandre Lambert Smith and Wallace do it. So they've got an opportunity to bring somebody from the backside. Uh, I don't think that they've got the speed in the secondary to, uh, to, to keep up with those receivers for that long. Like they've, they've got some good coverage guys, but not guys that are going to step up. They lost a lot to the NFL. Like the, yeah. there was a lot of talent on this team last year and they're, they're filling holes. It's what, it's what uh, every really college team goes through. And, and Illinois, I just don't know is, is deep, in the sense that they can plug and play and 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 have success like they they have in the past couple of years. Yeah, it's just interesting watching game scripts play out and Kansas attacked laterally so much that eventually um you know, Illinois starts deploying more resources to contain the lateral run and then there's giant voids in the middle of the defense where you've got those linebackers in space by themselves and I, I wonder and if uh, this is something I've been wondering this this week fits is like is it tempting to try and replicate the same game plan from another team, even if you don't do the same way, kind of the same style of attack to say, hey, we're going to do X and then create opportunities off of that? Or do you have to kind of just come up with, okay, what's the new way we attack this defense? Because they're obviously going to see that coming. It happened seven days ago. I mean, it's this is college football coaching. So it's like take someone else's stuff, make it your own. That happens all the time. Like that's it is, um, you know, flattery, imitation, whatever you want to say with that saying. So yeah. I think that's that's how you go about it.
The Blaze Alexander Family Dealership celebrating more than 40 years of service to the community. Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships has a vehicle to fit your budget and transportation needs. Home of the $1,000 lowest price guaranteed with 19 locations throughout Pennsylvania. Let's talk about the defense here. Yes. Uh, we have not gotten to the defense just yet. Kyle, what do you want to know about the defense? I want to know everything you've got on this defense. Oh, no. Yes. We don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So do you not know the third string DB's name and all of this fun jazz? Do you not know everything? Uh, no, I'm saying we don't have enough time here on the show to get to all of that stuff. So yes. we, we could get to all of that, but the question, I, the, the major questions, mm-hmm. obviously, for Penn State football fans are... Has, has, has the whole season has been can Penn State stop the run? Can Penn State stop the run? And they've allowed 114 yards a game, so Penn State fans are now like a little triggered, a little I guess nervous. I I will I will quash the triggering a little bit and preface it by also saying, well, 66 of these yards in one of those games was on a single run. Yes. But outside of that, Delaware had 74 total yards of offense. Yep. 66 of the yards they had on top of it were a single run. That's so correct. Knock that out. It, it alleviates a lot of their pain, a lot of their stress. Yeah, and, and the the way they have the way they have performed so far this season has been um, up and down, but mostly adjusting and adapting. It's not that they have had continual issues, as you pointed out, with leaky run defense. So let's let's go back and let's take a look at the Penn State rushing uh, defense in the first game. They allow 59 yards in the first quarter. They allow 10 on 10 carries in the second quarter. Um, we talked about this this week with Curtis Jacobs, fan of the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel and the BWI Live oh, yeah. show. Have uh, I uh, awesome dude? He was talking to us this week about how they communicate and how they adapt to things live. And one of the things that I thought was interesting in the way he described it was, it's on the linebackers to make the defensive line right. So the way that this defense works is they they ask the defensive line. He he said, oh, we don't ask them to do a whole lot. And I'm like, oh, I've watched the film. You asked you ask those guys to do a whole lot. So on, on most plays or on some plays, a defensive coordinator will drop a scheme where you have the entire defensive line take a step this way, like change gaps together one way. Uh, sometimes you'll have linebackers twist. They'll they'll exchange gaps. And then sometimes I'm trying to give the visual as much as without moving the camera. And then sometimes you'll have uh, defensive linemen exchange gaps on one side. On some plays, Manny Diaz does all three at the same time. So there is a lot going on. And uh, that's where Penn State's linebackers have been. That's that's been the issue at times this year is that the defensive line is asked to do something and they physically can't get to the gap because of either a physical error. Like they just they their technique was bad or they couldn't. The other person was athletic. They won Um, or the offense did something that prevented whatever was happening from 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 working, from being right. So the linebackers need to clean up those mistakes and to adjust their gaps because if you're four yards off the line of scrimmage, you can see what's happening and you can uh, you can make those adjustments. So that is where certain players have struggled to do that. Uh, Jacobs, veteran, he's been pretty steady, obviously, um, ma- maintaining two different positions, both the the Will position and the Sam position. Abdul, Car- Abdul Carter struggled a little bit in the first game. Um and then you look at Kobe King, and he's the one that I think is the most interesting in this situation because he has been hot and cold in terms of what I've seen from him on film. Sometimes he's trying to be a playmaker, it seems, and he's going backdoor on some plays and not following the play. 
And sometimes he's lights out. He's in his gap. He's a 240-pound smash-mouth middle linebacker. And it's that consistency and that communication that uh, that Curtis talked about earlier this week that is important for this team to, in between series, they've been able to correct their mistakes. There have been times watching film with Aeneas. We watch um, Chop Robinson make a mistake. Two plays later, West Virginia runs the same play. And he's already fixed his mistake. He's already learned from that. So the th- the thing about this particular defense is they they have enough veterans that when they when something is thrown at them, they can adapt and evolve. And they might be getting a couple more. We're four minutes away from the unavailability report. Uh, it's not an injury report. It's oh who is available. Um, so Penn State getting a couple players back at practice this week. We saw Amin Vanover and Keziah Izzard on the defensive line and Daquan Hardy. Don't know exactly. James Franklin was very uh, uh, James Franklin. He was very James Franklin about it in terms of will those guys be back? We'll see too early in the week. So they might get more veterans back on the defensive line, which from a from that perspective, I think they've still been good. Like fans are worried of coming to this game about the defensive tackles. I don't think that that's necessarily the problem here. It's just the overall defense causing problems for itself that they have to correct during the game. Um, there aren't any guys making superstar plays out there, but this defense plays well together, and I think they have the players up front to play a cohesive, good game. And against this Illinois offense and this offensive line, they should should be the team that is the better front. I should say that be. with as much hesitation as I possibly can. <laughs> mm. I am very intrigued to see exactly what we get from this defense because so far, I, I think this is okay to say, outside of C.J. Donaldson for West Virginia, they haven't been tested almost anywhere by anybody. I mm. think that that's a, a kind way to put it is I love West Virginia. We love all of them. Pat McAfee, yeah. alumni, whatever. They didn't do much. Donaldson was the only scare on that team. Yeah, he was they didn't have the balance. Back. They didn't sure. have a balance. And Delaware is an FCS school. Yeah. So you're not going to get a real test from anyone there. Yeah. So they didn't have a test. They haven't been tested by anyone who has been up to their level, I think. Yeah. Is a kind way to put that. <laughs> yeah. Is kindly saying there's a difference in standard here. Yeah. And now they're going to get an actual team because they have that Big Ten asterisk, that Big Ten little logo yeah. on their jerseys. By the way, Kyle's a Syracuse guy. I am so a Syracuse if you, guy. So if you can't hear the uh, the sarcasm in his voice yes. about the Big Ten uh, uh, honoring the Big Ten logo, that, yeah. that might Big be Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. ACC for the win. Uh, hey, Syracuse, Syracuse is a top 10 offensive defense currently in college football. I won't hear anything else. Um, <laughs> those are the stats. That's all I care about. That, those are the stats. <laughs> Top five in both, baby. Let's go. Go Orange. Yeah. We're not here to discuss the Orange. We're here to discuss the team that technically plays in Orange, is the, yeah. the fighting Illini. Yes. And I just am very interested to see exactly if this team kind of plays up to where they should be in terms of Penn State's D-line. Because yeah. now they're getting a real competition. Like, yeah. yeah, I joke about the Big Ten, but you're playing a real team now. Yeah. West Virginia... Week one, it's always going to be an odd so game. So I, I will, I'll give West Virginia in terms of they didn't have balance, but yes. Garrett Green was a good quarterback mm-hmm. and a great first test that is a lot like Luke Altmyer in terms of mobile. His legs will be a part of this game. Uh, we talk about gap soundness and and what we kind of just described how it works. The other part of contain and gap sound is in the passing game with athletic quarterbacks, and that is one area where I'll say yes, Penn State needs to be much better with their front four, especially because when you start to pass rush. You, you, your linebackers have two obvious responsibilities. They have to cover their zone, and they have to be on lookout for you know the quarterback escaping. So you have four players to cover the gaps 
and your rush lanes as uh, as the defensive line. It is very much more on the defensive line overall to maintain gap integrity against mobile quarterbacks. And they have been they have been pushed upfield. They have been thrown off their blocks by chips and double teams on the edge, especially like the the defensive um, ends have not played up to the area that I think that they're capable of and that they know they're capable of. And I before this season, all off season, I was saying Chop Robinson is a first round pick. He has done a lot of dirty work for the team. He has gotten other guys free runs at the quarterback. That hasn't worked out so far for Penn State to get those sacks no. necessarily. But he also in his opportunities has not played with the strength and the size I was expecting from him after he put on that weight this offseason playing above 250 pounds, kind of that threshold of minimum for what you'd like to see from a defensive end in terms of, uh, especially for the next level projection of being uh, being a, a full-on defensive end that can play the run and play the pass. He's been good against the run. Like I, I want to yeah. make that clear. I think he's it's shown up there. I, his balance and his attack of offensive linemen I wanted. I want to see some domination wins from him. This he's been this a little game. lackluster so far. He has. You've seen like where he could be. You've seen yeah. the level he could be at, but he just hasn't gotten there yet. He's still waiting for that one game where he can let himself loose. We're waiting for yeah. Chop Robinson to go, and yeah. he hasn't so far. So the stars for the defense. They've played really good team defense. The stars haven't been the stars quite yet. Last week and the week before, Penn State sets a lot of stuff up for Abdul Carter, especially in in the in the pass rushing game. And that's part of the conversation here with Chop Robinson is they're setting a lot of stuff up so that Abdul Carter either gets a free run up the middle or he's um stunting around the outside where kind of like you you send a you send your I don't hunt. Mm-hmm. But you send your bloodhound out into the into the reeds to get the duck to flush the duck out. Yes. And then you you take it out. They've done a lot of that with stunts up the middle and then Abdul Carter wrapping around to get the the quarterback flushed from the pocket and to get an easy sack. Uh, same thing in the run game. They've tried to set him up with a free run at the runner at the at the running back to get those tackles for loss. Carter's been showing up in that sense, even if he's missed some tackles. Uh, the defensive ends when they are rushing four and it's the obvious pass rushing situations. That's where I want to see more from these guys. But they've got to get Illinois into those obvious pass rushing situations and that's in this game where the shift and i said that you know week three could be a shift for illinois they need to win this game like they can't lose two in a row we might see more from luke altmeyer the runner than we see from the passer that we've seen in previous weeks because they have not used him as a as much of a rushing threat he had seven runs in the game against Kansas. He had a big run, the 70-yard run for a touchdown. Once it was 34-7. to seven, mm-hmm. And that was on a passing play where he was scrambling. It was cover one. We could see more of that this game. If Penn State plays a lot of aggressive man coverages and if you leave a QB spy, and if that spy isn't Abdul Carter yes. or Curtis Jacobs, you might have an issue with containing that guy with everyone's back turned and running with the receiver. So... We could see more from Altmaier, the runner, which would cause Penn State some issues, uh, you know, and might make Penn State fans feel like, here we go again. But it's a different it's a different equation than it is in the run game specifically when you're trying to stop this uh, this this Illinois offensive line that the, the right side is not as good as it has been in the past. They don't play with the same cohesiveness and the same um, uh, overall effectiveness as even West Virginia. Like, that was a really good cohesive mm-hmm. unit up front. These guys, you can beat them. They don't They're make beatable. a ton. Yeah, they, they don't make a ton of mental mistakes, but they will whiff on blocks, if that makes sense. Yes, and Luke Altmaier, for those wondering, is their leading rusher this season, which is a big part of it. He's got 22 rushes, 139 yards, averaging over six a carry, 
which you might say, okay, over six is a quarterback, whatever. But that means he's getting out of the pocket and he's running around and he's getting the yards he needs to. Yep. So he is getting where he needs to be. The rest of the running core has not done a lot, though. So it's going to kind of be on him the yeah. entire day if Get- he scrambles, runs around. Because yeah. Reggie Love has been okay. Uh, Josh McCray has been okay. Yeah. At best, they have a combined 150-ish yards on 35 carries. Not great yeah. at our running backs. They have a total of 307 yards as a team, and that's what Penn State got last week alone. Yeah. So, so that, that first game, I would say, like, game script against Kansas is one of the reasons why they didn't have a lot of rushing yards last week. Because they, they're chasing, they're they're putting their passing offense into uh, effect earlier in the game. And by the way, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Illinois passing offense. Uh, I, I, I got a little bit, like, frustrated watching them. <laughs> and I took it out on Luke Altmaier of, like, this guy's not any good. And I, what I really was trying to say is, this is some basic basic route combinations reading half the field not really uh not really things that could challenge a defense that is playing well so altmeyer is a decent quarterback he's going to use his legs he's got a good arm he can hit targets in tight windows penn state they're going to have to be on their a game um to to keep a lid on the passing attack because there are some some threats in the illinois passing attack but um put the ball in his hands and then rush him he does not have good pocket presence that's one no. area where he got sacked quite a bit, and you can get quick. That's again going back to the defensive ends. You can get quick wins against this team, and you can shut them down. But you've got to get him in those third and medium to long situations where you're expecting them to throw the football, where they have to throw the football. So it's the same script as it is every week for Penn State, which is be good enough on on run defense to put them in a third and situation where your defense can shine. And this game, it's just it, it, it leads to a systematic breakdown. Where other teams, they might get a couple on you. This particular offense, with the way that they run, it's a lot of RPO. It's a lot of screens and things that are no thought throws. It's all an extension of the running game, and and they've got to have a multi-dimensional threat to be Penn State. Because what we said in the, I, I expect Penn State to score points, so that's going to be something they need to get to. What we need to get to right now is we need to hear from James Franklin. Uh, each week he spends a lot of time talking to the media, and uh, this is the Coach's Corner here on the Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships Penn State Football Tailgate Show. Last night it was it was fairly straightforward. I, I, I will, like, full disclaimer, as you as well saw, T. Frank, the defensive line and offensive lines were working together uh, yeah. towards the end of the period that we were watching. And conveniently, as it is uh, such, these, you know, six foot six behemoths more or less shielded uh, the, the media from seeing any of the action. And so yep. my insights on the offensive line uh, this morning are nil. <laughs> I, I, I cannot provide you that because they did not have that uh, yesterday at practice. However, what we did get a good look at was the quarterbacks certainly and the receivers and some of the tight end usage. I thought you made a great point yesterday after practice. I mean, just uh, it's a, it's an area of the field that they might be able to exploit and have some success with. Uh, You know, there was a little bit of a, um, you know, I I don't know if I want to call it a change, but you know, Keandre Lambert Smith has been working, at different, like he rotates through the different receiving lines pretty frequently, right? One of his greatest strengths this season for Penn State is his position flexibility. 
uh, right? He, he can play inside. He can play outside. He, he can do a lot of different things. And so one notable thing to notice yesterday was just that he started uh, when they initially started doing passing work, he started in the slot, which is a little bit of a change from, from recent weeks. So, uh, you know, does does that bump Liam Clifford down a little bit? Do they do they intend to use him more in the slot? Um, you know, conversely and concurrently, I should say, on the outside, you, you saw Malik McLean. So, you yeah. know, maybe this is the week that Malik McLean, who obviously has, has made an impact in his first couple of weeks at Penn State, maybe maybe he is in line to uh, to get his first start this weekend. So should, should be interesting to see fairly, fairly straightforward, but um, yeah, you know, this is, this is a team ready to, uh, to take its, uh, its show out to Illinois. I, I love that, Nate. I love those observations because they tell you uh, some insights into what you might expect from Penn State this weekend, which, you know, spins us into our preview of the game coming up. But Fitz, I want to come back to you. I feel like maybe I rushed through defense. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Anything that you saw? So we've hit the point in the season where it is like not go through the motions, but it's the situation where you don't glean very much because it is the same drills every week. It's the uh, the tackling drills. It is the the safeties catching interception. You know, it's it's really a bunch of the same. So a lot of it's personal based right now. Um, I thought uh, just one random um, one random observation, Joseph Mupoy, the freshman defensive lineman. That kid is huge, like and yeah. in, in, a, in a way that he does not look like a freshman. Penn State football tailgate show here on uh, 99.5 The Bus, the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, the Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships, uh, celebrating more than 40 years of service to the community, Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships has a vehicle to fit your budget and transportation needs. Home of the $1,000 lowest price guarantee with 19 locations throughout Pennsylvania. We're going around the Big Ten, Kyle. Yes, we are. Um, last night, uh, Virginia and Maryland Maryland put a smackdown on UVA, which it, that is a pretty much a norm now in college football. Mm -hmm. uh, University of Virginia, not that they've been a consistently good football program, but I don't know they've been this bad in a while. 42-14, yeah. to 14, Maryland rolls. Talia Tungavaloa had 342 yards passing. So big game for uh, the Terps and their quarterback who has been hot and cold in mm -hmm. his time at Maryland in terms of being just an outright force and then sometimes entirely overmatched you know and just as it always is the quarterback he's not an island <laughs> he's yes, got, he is. The, the players around him have to help him out a little bit so uh maryland looks like they uh, you know at least in this game against virginia a pretty complete offense uh illinois penn state coming up at noon and of course this is an early game so there's a lot of uh things yet to be decided but we were talking about your syracuse orange of course like yes the, the media journalist person <laughs> here went to, to syracuse surprise got my bracelet on yeah at least you didn't go to northwestern <laughs> hey my sister went to northwestern oh, i'll have you course. know <laughs> of course she did uh so uh, syracuse showing up on the schedule that's the reason i'm bringing it up uh they are playing who today give us a rundown on who's playing uh, today they are playing purdue in west lafayette in indiana the syracuse team by the way i know they've played some bums so far is the nice way i put it colgate in western michigan but they're coming to this game they were about 29th overall in the coaches and ap polls they were just outside of the top 25 but they get Purdue in Purdue today. Syracuse is coming to this game uh, real good. We might be missing our top player, Aranda Gadsden. Uh, he is a, a NFL talent 
outs out there as a wide receiver and tight end kind of combination of things. He plays wasn't, both positions. Wasn't his dad an NFL player? His dad was an NFL player. Yeah, around yeah. It, he's a junior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, a junior. Right. But they come into this game. Garrett Schrader's played real well. Syracuse plays real well. So they're going in 2-0 against Purdue in the Big Ten. Syracuse is currently predicted to win this game 75% to 25% for Purdue. And that's what I like to see. I like to see that here. It's, it's, it's just good. It's fun. It's yeah. joy. It brings me joy seeing an ACC school, especially my school, beat a Big Ten school. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's other school. There's other teams on this schedule that we can get down. We don't. We, yeah. We're not. We're not here for the Syracuse breakdown. I'm You're just, not. No, it's an. <laughs> it was an excellent breakdown. Thank you. Oh, thank I, you. I learned yeah. something. I like learning more about football. <laughs> mm-hmm. Michigan at Bowling Green. So once again, <laughs> Michigan starting <laughs> oh, out with just the hardest schedule in America. Oh yeah. Uh, Nebraska is uh, hosting Northern Illinois. Michigan State, that's the Peacock game, is hosting number eight, Washington, a Big Ten rivalry matchup for the future. Ohio State has Western Kentucky. Rutgers has Virginia Tech. Um, Some of the other games that are interesting, Indiana is hosting Louisville. Minnesota is at North Carolina, and Northwestern is at Duke. Western Michigan is at Iowa. Those are the games around Mm -hmm. the Big Ten. We'll keep you up to date on all of those. The availability report, more importantly, for Penn State is out. And um, they're getting back the majority of the players that we have talked about on the show today. Uh, I mean, Vanover, Daquan Hardy, and uh, Kazai Izzard not on the availability report. They are not out or questionable. Malik Mega is still out. Alonzo Ford, Landon Tangwell both out for the season. Smith Vilbert not out for the season on huh. here. Interesting that the you know see the, the way I'm looking at it. Alonzo Ford, Tangwall season in parentheses. Smith Vilbert who was. James Franklin has said is out for the season. Now listed is out for the season. Interesting. Just put a pin in that for this, later. This Just feels like what later. Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, for those wondering. Aaron Rodgers specifically stated, I might try and come back this season from an Achilles tear. That's what this kind of feels like to me. Okay. okay. Uh, Harrison Wallace questionable is the other interesting <laughs> one here on the availability report. He's questionable for the game today. We'll see if he suits up. And, of course, BlueWayIllustrated.com is a great place to get that information. We've got guys at the stadium watching the warm-ups, giving you the intel of who's and was the ones and the twos, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so a couple things we haven't really talked about uh, on the show today. We got to Luke Altmaier in the passing attack. We haven't gotten to the Penn State DBs in three weeks. No, we have we not. haven't had a whole lot of work this season. So that's going to be interesting to see if that happens today. I was looking this up. They have the sixth fewest passes against in all of college football. Oh, boy. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's. I don't think it's going to get any better this week against a team mm. that wants to run the ball, play ball control, and not put the ball in the air. So it's going to be like October before they see a legitimate passing attack because I haven't seen a minute of Iowa, but I know Iowa in my soul after watching them for a decade. They're not coming in with a no. passing attack that like is going to throw 30 times either. So this Penn State secondary, like, is there a ball hawk out there? This is... It's down to it now of, like, you've got to make every target count because there aren't a whole lot. And right now, the turnover king from camp is leading the team. And that's Dom DeLuca, yes. the backup Sam linebacker. Dom DeLuca had one pick last week. He had his pick six. He almost had a second one. He should have had a second one. Mm-hmm. He should have had that second one. He just he dropped it early in the game, and you can see he was mad at himself because it should have been a pick six as well. So he would have had two in, pick sixes in a game, and that's it. No one else has interception this season. So you're sitting there saying, okay, when's the turnover is going to start kind of piling up? Because James Franklin hammers at home of like, we've got to win the turnover battle. Yep. There was some fumbles last week, but nothing 
to the extent of winning a turn of a battle in a game. DeLuca's was good. Yep. But now you're looking at yourself saying, hey, Johnny Dixon, hey, Kalen King, hey, literally everyone yeah. on this defense, if they put the ball in the air, which no one has against Penn State, are they going to get a turnover or two? Yeah. Is it going to happen? Is this going to be the week where Illinois might try, even though they are a run-first offense? Yeah. Try and put it in the air, Luke Altmeyer, and say, they haven't been tested yet. I want to try and beat them a little bit and get them yeah. off guard. And will that backfire on There's them? a couple of places that I thought Delaware... I'm always looking for how is another team going to watch this film and go, oh, okay, so we can use that. Um, Delaware attacked the uh, slot safeties. You know, the slot corners, um, Kalen King, Jalen Reed. They wanted... That's been the place that most teams have attacked Penn State has been in that particular area, not going after the outside corners, not going after the slot, or some of the safeties in deep coverage. They've been going after those guys when you, when you match up and you're playing a, a safety... In uh, against a slot receiver or a slot tight end, I'm wondering if Illinois will will attack because they use their tight end quite a bit. Luke Altmeyer, he is good on those pre-snap. It's an obvious read, and I'm gonna pick my target and then throw. He's been good at those areas. If you've got a good arm, he can get the ball out on time and in rhythm. The part that I think Penn State has to do is they have to confuse him and take away that first access throw. That's an area where he has struggled this year, especially if you put him under pressure. He is a 3 of 13 under pressure. So really bad completion percentage. We talked about his pocket presence leading to a lot of sacks. This team has to take away that, that RPO and the screen and force him to make some uh, more complicated reads. He has gotten to his second read about twice this year. And part of that is uh, the nature of the quarterback, and part of that is the nature of the offense. So going from Drew Aller, who's doing you know a full field, getting to the backside of his play and hitting guys for big plays, or at least for non-negative plays, this is an area where Luke Altmaier doesn't do that. So the quarterback matchup, the quarterback battle, is decidedly in Penn State's favor. But Altmaier can do things against his Penn State defense that if you give him the clear read, and this is where Manny Diaz and the way they play opens the door for that of, we're going to do what we're going to do, and we don't care like if that's good for you. We think we're going to win anyway. If they're playing a lot of aggressive man coverage, and, and Keaton Ellis or Jalen Reed or um, Kevin Winston, if they're in man coverage and they don't get their their man could lead to some plays and keep them on the field for for Illinois. So that's that's going to be kind of the matchup on defense in the secondary that I'm looking at this game because I just don't think, especially when when you've got um, your your best receiver is a slot receiver. So let's let's see how they attack, and I think they're going to similar to Penn State attack on on the middle of the defense. We're going to take a break here. We've got to get back to our predictions and wrap up the Penn State football tailgate show presented by Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships next. Some guy says, part of me wants to just dominate this game and have a very simple offense. The other part wants your stitch to open the playbook, give us a taste of the evil genius for the year. So this is a great point, and this is kind of the 11 or 12 personnel conversation. The passing game and where they attack and how they attack. Penn State has the horses. They have the, the quarterback to attack the full field. You're going to see that in the game, but then it becomes what percentage of are they going to lean on Drew Aller and avoid running the ball as the primary plan on Saturday, or are they going to attack in a different way? It's easier to attack with three receivers than two tight ends, even if they're good tight ends and really good. The fastest tight end, Theo Johnson, is one of the slowest wide receivers on the team. 
The fastest wide receivers create dynamic issues with uh, the passing attack of stretching zones, getting into places that other teams can't react to in time, and creating bigger windows for the quarterback. So does your offensive line hold up against one or two excellent football players that can wreck the game? Because if he can't stand in the pocket or he can't step into the pocket, and that's a big thing with a, a dominant defensive tackle, it's harder to step in the pocket if the pressure's coming from the interior. You can still roll out. You can still find different ways to get around that pressure, but Newton could absolutely break down a passing attack quickly and get you in negative yardage. And that's the thing about this, and, and, and Fitz made this point last, uh, last show on Thursday that I think was very good, kind of like the same thing with West Virginia. Don't go three and out and get those front defensive tackles tired. Once they're off the field, you can do what you want. The depth is not good. So you can run inside zone on the second drive if the, if the starting defensive tackles aren't out there because their depth is not as stout. So how do you attack and how does that create issues for the other team? Because even if they, even if they, are, they don't get explosive plays, but once again, they're methodical, they stay on the field, that's going to cause some massive issues for Illinois. Um, Grubby says... Grubby421 says, Drew hasn't taken many deep shots so far. Is this team being conservative, risk-averse, or should he be taking more shots downfield? I would... The, the last two teams, by their nature, have been conservative and kept a safety in the middle of the field or kept four deep in order to limit the explosive plays. Penn State still got explosive plays in the first game. Against Delaware... <laughs> Literally, they kept sometimes four safeties, five safeties deep and just played with coverages that they were disciplined to not bite on things and open up voids and, and bust coverage. So were there plays that Drew Aller could have made that would have been more explosive in the passing game? Yes. He missed a couple of throws, but overall, he made the right decision. This is the Penn State Football Tailgate Show, Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships. Um, the, the good thing is everyone else can hear. I can't yes. hear anything. So we I'm flying this. I am flying this <laughs> ship blind. Well, I'm not flying the ship. I, I am the co-pilot here. Kyle has been yes. doing an awesome job over there on the controls, being a part of the show, and also running everything by himself. So excellent job by him. Thank you again to everyone who's participated in making this show possible, including you, the listener. Uh, Dusty, the engineer, has been excellent in terms of providing support from afar today. And uh, and it's been it's been successful so far in getting everything on air 99% of the time. Yes. Hey, yeah. we, we had some kinks today. We worked them out, but that's okay. What team doesn't have a kink we got to work out and right. get through? Right. Uh, we're still winning the game, but, mm -hmm. you know, the defense the, the defense allowed a touchdown early in the game. And that's what we're getting into today is our, mm -hmm. our predictions here on the final segment of the Penn State Football Tailgate Show. Just a couple minutes here. Uh, I'm going to let you go first because I'm interested to see, like, after this conversation here, uh, Kyle, by the way, you know, he is still learning the football mm -hmm. team. Uh, he's still learning Penn State specifically, and he's doing an excellent job of knowing that and then also studying the opponent week to week and having something intelligent to say here on the show. So if it sounds like I've been Kobe all all show and ball hogging and I'm being Andrew Bynum. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, like we're we're working as a team and working to our strengths, but he's been doing an excellent job of providing in, insightful commentary on a team he is still currently learning. But I'm interested to see kind of as somebody who isn't too deep, mm -hmm. what you think of this game. What do you think is going to happen? What I think about this game, I 
am intrigued to see exactly how Penn State finishes the game. Not as much as the start of the game. I think the start of this game is going to be pretty even. Both Illinois and Penn State are going to get to hot starts, get a touchdown or two, back and forth early. I want to see Penn State lock down. Second quarter starts, lock the game down, end it in the second quarter. Yeah. That first quarter, you let them go. You let a touchdown in or two, like how Delaware scored early Mm -hmm. uh, against Penn State. I, prediction-wise... 38-17, 38-17, and those 17 points all come in the first quarter for Illinois. But after that, Manny Diaz and the crew are saying, yeah, no more. Nothing's happening. So you're, you're thinking that uh, Illinois is going to get out to an early lead. I think Illinois gets out to an early lead, but it becomes a score-for-score score affair mm-hmm. early. And then as the game wears on, uh, so does the Illinois offense. It wears and tears and breaks and yeah. doesn't get back up ever again. So this is the thing I've saved here, kind of like the 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 last thing that I think is the most important facet for Penn State football today is do not, I repeat, do not go three and out in this game, especially early. Kind of like West Virginia. There's a lot of parallels between those two teams where the front is pretty good. Uh, for West Virginia. This is a great front for Il- for Illinois, but the depth is not there. So I said, like, you can't run inside zone against this team. You can't run between the tackles. That's when the starters are on the field. You can do whatever you want, like, in terms of running and having some success against the interior with, with Penn State football. So I'm thinking that they are going to be able to put the ball in Drew Aller's hands and keep everything going and make sure that this team uh, doesn't have any opportunity to breathe. I think Penn State is going to um, be able to score early and often. So we are going to see Penn State win 35-20. to 20. I think there's some garbage time touchdowns here for the Nittany Lions. That's going to do it today for the Penn State Football Tailgate Show, presented by Blaze Alexander Family Dealerships. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Kyle F. has been here as our producer. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. We will be back for the post-game show. Coming up after Penn State, Illinois.